sit down and buckle up. It's time for Track Talk with Bryce Sparling and Matt Ridgeway. Lights out and away we go with another fantastic edition of TM5's Track Talk. I am Bryce Sparling. Not joining me today is my good buddy and co-driver, Mr. Matt Ridgway. Matt Ridgway is traveling back from a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend that he had celebrating an anniversary with his wife down in, I believe, the Marco Islands. Saw some pictures. Absolutely gorgeous island down there. I know he had a fantastic time. Safe travels on coming back. First couple of days after you get home from vacation are the hardest. Like trying to get back into like normal life mode and adjusting to work and kids and family and having to do all the normal stuff that you did on a day-to-day basis before you went on a vacation. That's always the toughest part, coming back. Sometimes you wish you could just stay on vacation and not ever come back. So Matt won't be joining us today. It's just me. Got just me on this podcast this time. He will be back next week to actually give you some intelligent analysis on the racing but today all you got is my stupid person self on here talking about motorsports we're going to start off with nascar in new hampshire the xfinity series justin allgaier prevailed in an action-packed crayon 200 at new hampshire on saturday earning his third victory of the season and a very special birthday present for his wife ashley a race trophy that's pretty good you win a race and here darling here's your birthday present you know if you forgot to buy her a birthday present you can just give her the race trophy that's awesome that works double right there the driver of the number seven jr motorsports chevrolet delivered chevy's first win at the one mile track in 15 years it's all third win of the season coming a comfortably 3.8 seconds ahead of joe gibbs racing toyota driver trevor bain who is trying to earn the JGR team its seventh consecutive New Hampshire win. Uh, Allgaier kind of drove away with this one. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. A lot of the restarts were very close. Um, I thought <clears throat> I didn't think Allgaier was going to drive away with it like he did, but Trevor Bain just kind of didn't have enough there at the end to compete for the win. It was really great racing. I mean, the racing the entire day was absolutely fantastic. People getting three wide, people getting four wide at points, multiple grooves opening up in different places at different times that had different benefits and downsides. It was absolutely fantastic. It was one of the best Xfinity races I think I've seen all year. It has to be in the top five easily. I really liked this track. I liked I like short tracks. I'm a big fan of short tracks. I like that there's not a lot of banking. Um, I like that it's a wide track. I mean, there was easily three or four grooves, They and they didn't all provide the same benefits. You know, if you took the high groove, you got more banking around the turns, but you weren't going around the track in the fastest way possible. The bankings also let you get a little bit better of a run in the back and front straights. But uh, and I noticed in the Xfinity series, a lot of those guys were putting that left those left tires on the paint down there <clears throat> on the turns. They were sticking it right there. So it almost looked like they were finding more grip on the little painted white line, white and blue lines there in the turns than they were just going around the track normally. It was fantastic racing, some of the best of the year. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was at times a dramatic drive for number for the 36-year-old Illinois driver, uh, Mr. Justin Allgaier. He had incidents with Julia Landahl's car early, although he ran in the top five most of the day. He didn't actually lead the race until with 45 minutes uh, left to go, dicing it up with Landon Castle 
who was looking for his first ever career win. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was great to see the 36 year old. I thought Landon Castle was going to get it, man. When I saw him up there and driving close to the the leaders, I was kind of pulling for him. I like Justin Allgaier, but I would have loved to seen a kid get his first ever career win at New Hampshire. Castle, who led 17 laps, ultimately had his third place finish disqualified for post-race inspection violation. The rear of his number 10 K-League Racing Chevrolet was ruled too low. So uh, that I believe like three or four people got disqualified from this race, and two of them were in the top 10. Uh, the fourth place finisher, Justin Allgaier's JR Motorsports teammate, Noah Gragson in the number 9 JR Motorsports Chevrolet, was also disqualified. After a failed post-race inspection, his car failed front-body inspection heights and was too low. The disqualification dropped him from fourth place to fifth place in the season standings and is now 99 points behind leader A.J. Allmendinger, but safely in the playoffs with two victories. So that was not only two people getting disqualified, but the two people that got disqualified finished in the top ten. So that's top, two top tens in this race that were disqualified because of ride height. That's nuts, but I'm not terribly upset about it because of what I'm about to tell you. Ty Dillon, Austin Hill, Kyle Weatherman, Mason Massey, friend of the podcast, and Bailey Curry rounded out the top 10. It marked the second top 10 finish of Weatherman's season and the second top 10 result for both Massey and Curry's career. I was so ecstatic. I was watching the end of this race and Massey was right there. He was between 11 and 14th most of the race battling to get a top 10. And I believe he ended up finishing 11th on the track, but because of the two DQs, finished ninth, finished in the top 10, his second top 10 of his career. I was ecstatic for him, man. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to keep saying this. I love talking to him on the podcast. love the interview. Super ecstatic for him for that top 10 finish at New Hampshire. Uh, I, dude, I'm going to give, I'm going to give this race a nine out of 10. There could have been one or two little things that might've changed it to be a 10 out of 10, but honestly, it was one of the most action-packed best races I think we've had all year. Some of the some of the restarts and some of the caution flags, they had a red flag. It was fantastic. It was great racing. It wasn't manufactured. I enjoyed it quite a bit. If you didn't watch it, I, honestly, I'd highly suggest going back and either watching the entire race or at least watching the highlights because I think they did a fantastic job of putting on a great race in New Hampshire. All right, we're going to move on to the Cup Series. The Cup Series also had a good race. I don't want to say it was as good as the Xfinity Series, but it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't decent. Christopher it wasn't, wasn't disappointing. It was decent. Christopher Bell captures his first win of the season at New Hampshire, leading the last 42 laps of a 301-lap Am Better 301. I'm trying to remember back if there has ever been an odd-number oval race. I know when they race around the cert, like around the road courses. Usually, the road courses are like the you know the road course 185 or the one road course 192 or something like that. Those are usually weird, but I can't think for the life of me if there has ever been a 301 or like a 298 or something. It's always the 300, the 400, the 500, the 250, the 350, something like that. So the Am Better 301 it caught me off guard uh, quite a bit because I, I can't remember if that's ever happened. Um, it's only the second NASCAR career Cup Series win for the third-year driver of the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, but a significant one as it launches the 27-year-old Oklahoman into the provisional postseason berth. 
which I know Matt Ridgway is so excited about because he loves he loves the stages and he loves the NASCAR playoff rule. Those are two things I know Matt Ridgway absolutely loves. The 14th different winner of the season came into the race ranked last among the 16 drivers that would advance to the playoffs. Now he has bolstered his hopes of a title run. So he is securely in the playoff push. I cannot wait until we get closer to the playoffs because we can have Matt Ridgway explain what in the hell is going on. Because I'll be honest with you folks, I have no clue what the playoff rules are or how any of the playoff stuff works. Uh, That was added into NASCAR sort of after I got out of being obsessed with it. So I'm going to have to have Mr. Matt Ridgway explain to me what the playoffs are and what the rules are. I know roughly what happens, but I need him to explain the rules. This guy does this. This guy does this. This guy's in. This guy's out because of this and that and that. So we'll have him explain it to us when we get closer to the playoffs. Uh, Christopher Bell in Victory Lane commented, I tell you what, that was a hell of a race from my viewpoint. It was so much fun racing Kurt Busch, Joey Logano, and Chase Elliott. We were all running different lines. That was an absolute blast. And it was. And they all raced hard and they all raced fair. There was no, you know, side bumping. There was no animosity between any of the drivers. It was clean, great racing. I mean, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, multiple lines, just like in the Xfinity series. Uh, Bell hit the nail on the head. It was a hell of a, it was a hell of a viewpoint for me, and I was sitting in my lazy boy at home, so it was just as good as hit for him in the car as it was for me at home. Uh, Elliot, who finished, who hasn't finished worse than second in the last four races, including two victories, said he just didn't have anything for Bell at the very end, and you could tell that Christopher Bell's car there at the end was the more dominant of the two cars. But I mean. Four, what, four straight races where you haven't finished worse than second? It's a pretty good run on Chase Elliott. Bubba Wallace turned in a banner day at New Hampshire, finishing third, his second top five effort of the season, but first top ten results since a tenth place at Kansas eight races ago. So good job on Bubba Wallace for making the most out of his car this weekend. JGR's Denny Hamlin, Brad Kozlowski, Trackhouse's racing teammates Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, and 23 racing's Kurt Busch, Rounded out the top 10. Seventh place was Kislowski's best finish of the season in his first year as co owner and driver of the number six RFK Racing Ford. So I said that the racing was good in this. It wasn't as it wasn't as good as the Xfinity series racing. And the Cup Series racing was certainly entertaining. A lot of great organic situations popped up but it wasn't as good as the Xfinity Series. The Xfinity Series, in my opinion, was a 9 out of 10. The Cup Series, in my in my opinion, this weekend was a 7 out of 10. Still good. Still very watchable. I don't know if I'd go back and watch the entire race. Would go back and watch the highlights. Those are pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, watchable, but not as good as the Xfinity Series. This weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series, the trucks, the Xfinity Series, everybody, even the Menards cars, they are all in Pocono, which I am jacked for. Pocono is one of my favorite racetracks. It always provides a fantastic race. There's multiple grooves. The track is wide. It's goofy. It throws people off. I am a huge, huge Pocono fan. So we start off on Friday with the Menards cars. And if anybody doesn't know, if this is the first time you've ever listened to the podcast, the Menards cars are ARCA. I messed that up in the first podcast, and it just kind of st- stuck. So ARCA is the Menards cars. So the Menards cards, it's a tongue twister. They start practice at 2.45 on Friday, and then at 3.30, they qualify. That is not on TV, so you will not be able to watch it. And then after that, still on Friday, 
4.30 p.m., the Camping World Truck Series goes out for practice. That is on FS1. And then 30 minutes after their practice is the qualifying for the Camping World Truck Series, also on FS1. That night, though, Friday night, you can watch the Menards cards at 6.30 for the General Tire General Tire Delivers 200. That is on FS1. That'll I will tune into that more than likely. That'll probably be the first ARCA Series race that I have watched. I'm trying to think back on if anybody has done any ARCA series. I don't remember. I don't I don't think I don't think I've I don't think I've watched any uh, uh, any ARCA series stuff this year. So that might be the first one I watched this year. Uh, and then on Saturday, Saturday morning at 9.35 a.m. the Xfinity series goes out for practice on USA. And then the Xfinity series has qualifying at 10.05 a.m. also on USA at noon action packed Saturday right here at 12 o'clock we got the CRC Brackling 150 on Fox for the Camping World Truck Series. And then after that, at 2.35, the NASCAR Cup Series goes out for their first practice of the weekend on USA. And then after that, the NASCAR Cup Series at 3.20, they qualify also on USA. Uh, at 5 p.m., the Explorer Pocono Mountains 225, the Xfinity Series race is on. That's crazy that the Truck Series race at noon is on Fox. But the Xfinity Series race at 5 p.m. is on USA. I wonder if Fox has a baseball game there televising in that slot. That's kind of crazy. Uh, then on Sunday, we have the Cup Series. They go off at 3 p.m. in the M&M's Fan Appreciation 400. So in the Xfinity Series, I'm going to take Ty Gibbs. And in the NASCAR Cup Series, that's a bit tougher. I am going to go... Let's see, it's Pocono... Who won the last time? This is the second time we've been to Pocono, right? Uh, who am I going to take? I, I don't want to take... Give me Alex... Well, no, I'm thinking about Alex Bowman. Give me... You know what? I You know, I like this driver. He looked competitive all day. Finished in the top 10 last week. Never led a lap, but I think he's going to take it this week. I don't know historically how good he is at Pocono, but I'm going to take him this week. Give me Kevin Harvick. Give me Kevin Harvick to get the victory at Pocono this week. I liked what he did uh, at um, at New Hampshire last week. I really thought he was going to battle for the win. Give me Kevin Harvick, driver of the Stuart Haas racing team, the number four car. Give me Kevin Harvick. Give me Kevin Harvick this week to win at Pocono. Next, we're going to move on to the, uh, the, the IndyCar. IndyCar was up. In Toronto this week, up above the border, six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon earned his first victory since May of 2021 at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. That is a span of 23 races, the second longest winless streak of his illustrious career. By capturing the Honda Indy Toronto, hello, the, the by capturing the Honda Indy Toronto on Sunday. I'm not sure if I like this track, honestly. I watched this entire thing, and I watched it twice, actually. I watched it on Sunday, and then I rewatched it this morning just to see if there was anything I missed. I came away on Sunday just sort of unimpressed with the racing. It's There's not a lot of unique corners. The track is very narrow. There's not a ton of places you can pass. There's just nothing unique about this racetrack, so I was a little disappointed in the racing. I, I just, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of it. I gave it, you know, we'll rate it out of ten when we get when we get done with the recap. But I was just not a not a huge fan of it. 
Uh, the victory also was the 52nd of uh, Scott Dixon's career, tying him with fellow legend Mario Andretti for number two on the all-time Indy Series win list. AJ Foyt leads that series with 67 wins. I don't think Scott Dixon is, I mean, 15, 15 wins behind AJ Foyt. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that he can get up there and challenge for the most wins in the IndyCar uh, series. Dixon's fourth career Toronto victory extended his record to 18 consecutive IndyCar seasons with at least one win, and he has also won a race in a record 20 seasons overall. That is just absurd. The longevity of Scott Dixon is absolutely nuts. Felix Rosenquist finished third in the number seven Arrow McLaren SP Chevrolet to earn his first podium result since his uh, since his sole career IndyCar Series victory in July of 2020 at Road America. Graham Rahal finished a season best fourth in the number 15 United Reynolds Honda, while the NTT Indy Series champion leader Marcus Erickson finished fifth in the number eight Husky Chocolate Chip Ganassi Racing Honda. When you're riding around in a car sponsored by Chocolate Chip, is that all you can think of? Is like chocolate chip ice cream or chocolate chip cookies or something like that? Is that all that is going through your brain? Scott Dixon is the is fifth in the standings right now, 44 points behind his Chip Ganassi Racing teammate Eric Erickson. Dixon would tie Foyt all with his all-time championship winner in the IndyCar Series history with a seventh title if Scott Dixon can come away with the title this year. I'm going to give the IndyCar in Toronto a four out of ten. It's not, and I might be way off base here. I would love for Matt Ridgway to watch it and give me more feedback because I was just, I was not, I know he says they're not in the entertainment business. I get it. I understand it. But from my perspective, it wasn't a good race and it wasn't entertaining. There was not a lot of chances for passing. The, the pitch strategies were okay. I mean, they were a little enticing, but other than that, it just, it, it was not exciting to me. I did not enjoy it. I will not go back and watch it again. Next, we're going to move on to F1. They did not race last weekend, but we do have an F1 race this weekend in France. Uh, on Friday, we start off with FP1 at 8 a.m. and then FP2 at 11 a.m. We go over to Saturday, FP3 at 7 a.m. and qualifying at 10. And then the race for F1 in France is at 9 a.m. I would love to get Mr. Matt Ridgway's predictions on this. I might text him and see what his predictions on this. I am going to go bold. I'm going to go super, super. Oh, you know what? Hold on. Actually, that was my mistake. We didn't go over the IndyCar schedule this week. IndyCar has two races this week. Let's reverse, rewind. Let's go over the IndyCar schedule for this week. Uh, on Friday at 3.15, we have the Indy Lights practice. And then Friday at 4.30, we have the big boys, the Indy, NTT IndyCar series practice. That is on the cock. Uh, and by the way, Peacock, that's the only place you could find the race last weekend for Toronto. I didn't like that. I don't mind when practices or qualifying or whatever. I don't mind when that's on the cock. But when you have your main event on a Sunday, your main race is on the cock and you can't find it anywhere on normal cable, that's a major fail by IndyCar, in my opinion. That's a major, major fail. Even though I have it, I was still a little peeved about that. I don't like that. Fix that, IndyCar. Uh, Saturday, the Indy Lights qualifying at 9.30 a.m., and then Saturday at 10.30 a.m. is the NTT IndyCar Series qualifications. That is also on the cock. Saturday at 10, or excuse me, Saturday at 12.10 p.m., the Indy Lights race on the cock. 
And then Saturday at 4 p.m., the NTT IndyCar Series race. That is on Big NBC, so you will get that. It is a 250-lap race on Saturday. And Sunday, they turn right around and do it again. It's a back-to-back this weekend. So Saturday at 10.30 a.m. is the is the qualifying, I believe, the qualify. I'm not sure how they set the grid for that second race on Sunday. That is a good question for Mr. Matt Ridgway. About a thousand. Do they have two qualifying? No, no, they just have one. So maybe the results of the Saturday race go into Sunday. I'm not really sure. We'll find out on Sunday. We'll find out this weekend. But on Sunday at 3 p.m., the NTT IndyCar Series race will happen again. It's the second of the two races this week. That is a 300 lapper, and that will also be on NBC. Pretty pumped about this. Uh, they're going back to the ovals. I feel like it has been ages since the Indy cars were on an oval track. I might be way off base here, but I feel like it has been because middle. Uh, that wasn't. That wasn't. Uh, that wasn't. I feel like it has been. Is was Indy the last time that they were at an oval race? Road America, yeah, yeah. So it's been since the beginning of May since they have been at an oval. Super stoked for this one. I am torn here. I'm going to go Marcus Erickson. I think Marcus Erickson wins the first race and give me Joseph Newgarden to win the second one. So Marcus Erickson to win the first one and then Joseph Newgarden to win the second race on Sunday. All right, back to F1. I gave you the schedule. FP1, 8 a.m. on Friday. FP2, 11 a.m. on Friday. FP3, 7 a.m. Saturday. Qualifying, 10 a.m. Saturday. The race at 9 a.m. on Sunday. I said I was going to go bold. I'm going to go a bold prediction here. I think we're going to have a double um, a double Mercedes podium this weekend. I think Lewis Hamilton is going to win the race. I think Max Verstappen is going to finish in second. And give me George Russell to finish third. I think we are going to have a three person, uh, uh, excuse me, I think we're going to have a two Mercedes podium this week. France is a circuit that Mercedes has always raced really well at. And I think they figured something out last week. I really think, I really think Mercedes has figured something out. And it's nice that they figured it out before the summer break because after the summer break, I think Mercedes is going to be right back up there with Red Bull and Ferrari and challenging for wins. It's a it's a great feeling for Mercedes. They they've already figured out the reliability part in the early part of the season. They're they're out of the championship. They can't win the championship. They're out of the constructors. They can't win the constructors. But they can still make this year a salvageable year and have the R and D carry over into next year as to where they don't have to go so far. I'm going to go Hamilton 1, Verstappen 2, George Russell 3. I'm going bold. I'm going double podium for Mercedes with Max sandwiched there in the middle, and Max extends his um, championship run over the Red Bulls and over his teammate Sergio Perez even more this weekend. That is all we have this week for Track Talk on TM5. Next week, we will have our good buddy Matt Ridgway back and actually giving good analysis rather than me just rambling on and rambling on and rambling on the whole time about stuff that, you know, I'm not terribly knowledgeable about. We'll have an insider next week. So until then, enjoy this version, and next week we'll be back to the same regular scheduled fun. We will see you next week, though. Same time, same place.